0: In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you this morning, have you ever been asked or, or maybe told to do a job or a task for which you felt completely and utterly unsupported, unprepared, and unequipped in? Uh, I think many of us have, whether it's at home from a parent or a spouse or at school by a teacher at work, uh, from a boss or a co-worker, many of us have been given jobs to do for which we felt uh, completely unsupported and unprepared and unequipped for. And if you've been there, you know that that is not a good place to be. As I was thinking about this uh, this week, what came to mind for me was, uh, was a time that I felt unsupported, unprepared, and unequipped. And that was the first time I ever babysat. Um, it was a disaster. I, I guess I should preface this to say the kids are still alive. Nothing terrible happened. But it did not go well. And I was... Unsupported, unprepared, and unequipped. I had never babysat before. I had no experience. I hadn't taken a class. I wasn't given a manual or some sort of textbook to read. Not really any even list of instructions. Uh, This was in the days before cell phones. And so while uh, there were still phones I could have called the parents at, it was a little bit more isolating. I couldn't just shoot a text or expect that to immediately reach them on the phone. Uh, I felt unsupported, unprepared, and unequipped. And right from the beginning, I knew it was not going to go well. Here I was watching two kids, really just a kid myself, dropped off, told to keep the kids alive and feed them lunch. And uh, Right away, uh, the kids were being kids, right? So they had lots of energy and I didn't know, I had no idea how to rein that in or keep them under control. The toys were everywhere in the house. Uh, When it came time to make them lunch, the mom had told me that there was a frozen pizza in the freezer that I could cook for them, which was great because I think I was in 7th or 8th grade and and I loved pizza, Uh, except that I had never cooked a pizza before and didn't know exactly how to do that. I finally got it open, put it in the oven, and when the timer went off and it was cooked, I, I realized I didn't know how to take it out of the oven. I couldn't find oven mitts or a spatula or tongs or anything to get this burning hot pizza out of the oven. And Meanwhile, there's smoke coming as the pizza continues to cook, and the kids are laughing at me. They think this is just great, and the, the fire alarm is going off. And um, we, we finally got the pizza out of the oven. We ate, ate our burnt pizza, and then I remember we decided to go outside. It was a nice day. Uh, we head outside and I close the door behind me and of course the door locks. And here we are with hours to go until the parents get there and we're outside for the rest of the time. And the whole time I am overwhelmed. I am in over my head. I am unsupported, un- unprepared, and unequipped. And, and if you've ever been there, you, you know that feeling. You know that with that comes a whole lot of different feelings. There's there's a certain fear that comes with being unprepared, unsupported, and unequipped in a job that you have to do. You're, you're afraid of how this is going to turn out or what the consequences might be. There's, there's also probably some resentment or anger, right? You're angry and resentful that someone gave you a job to do for which they gave you no support, for which they gave you none of the tools you need to get that job done. There's probably also some disobedience, right? You think about doing the opposite of whatever you've been told to do, just to get back at whoever gave you that job. Or or maybe you simply just think about giving up, right? Because you know you're going to fail, so what's the point? Just give up now, quit while you're ahead, and uh, just give up. Well, if you've ever been there, maybe you've experienced some of these things. But the truth is that I think for, for some of us, or maybe all of us, at least some of the time, we feel this way when it comes to God's commands. Uh, And in fact, in our gospel reading for today from John chapter 14, verse 15, right in the opening words, Jesus says this He says, If you love me, keep my commands. Now, maybe we read this earlier in our gospel reading and we just kind of skimmed over it or glossed uh, past it. But I wanted to to spend just a couple moments this morning uh, thinking about what this means when Jesus says, Keep my commands. Because maybe at first glance we think, oh, yeah, of course, Jesus tells us to do stuff, we're supposed to do it. What does it mean when Jesus says, keep my commands? Uh, Well, first, maybe we should think about what Jesus does not say, right? Jesus does not say, uh, if you love me, you'll try your best to keep my commands. You'll give it your best shot. He doesn't say that. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. No ifs, ands, or buts. And he doesn't say, if you love me, you'll keep some of my commands. You know, the ones that you are gifted in or that you have a natural affinity for. The ones you like to do, keep those commands, right? He doesn't say that. We keep all of Jesus' commands. And he doesn't say, keep all of my commands, but just some of the t- time, you know, when it's convenient for you, when you can fit it in your schedule, uh, when you can make room for it in your busy day. No, just keep my commands, all of them, all of the time. Now, that's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? Well, well, maybe we also need to think about what are Jesus' commands. And, of course, probably what many of us think of first are the Ten Commandments, Right? Uh, honor your father and mother, you shall have no other gods, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. All of those things I think are included here in Jesus' words when he says keep my commands. But I also think it goes deeper than that. Uh, It's also the commands behind the commands when Jesus says things like whoever hates his brother or sister or neighbor has murdered. That it's not just about outward actions but it's also about the desires and longings of our heart. Or when Jesus says whoever looks at a man or woman with lust in their eyes has committed adultery. I think. That's included here. I think it also includes things like um, love your neighbor as yourself and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I think it means showing mercy and compassion and grace to all people just like Jesus did. I, I think it means forgiving people. No strings attached. Not seven times or 70 times, but 70 times, seven times, just as Jesus said. All of that is included there in those three words. And that is a heavy command, a heavy job that God has laid before us. And, and sometimes if we were to really think about what it means when Jesus tells us to keep his commands, um, we might feel many of these same feelings. There might be a certain fear that comes over us knowing that we're going to fail. And what does that mean to, to not keep God's commands? What are going to be the consequences of that? Maybe we're afraid or, or maybe there 's again some resentment or anger, we get angry at God, like how could He ask us to do this right we 're just one little old person. How could He lay this heavy demand upon us? maybe we 're angry or or maybe there 's doubt. We begin to doubt ourselves or even God and and of course, we make excuses right we 're awfully good at that. We, we say things like, Well, God, I, I would keep your commands, except for all these people you put around me. They keep getting in the way, and, and they don 't make it any easier for me and And you know, Lord, you're the one that gave me uh, the, the cancer or you're the one that just let me lose my job, so I got all this other stuff to deal with. How can I be expected to keep all of your commands? That is just unreasonable. Sometimes when it comes to living up to God's law and his commands, we feel unsupported, unprepared, and unequipped. And again, that is not a good place to be. But the truth is, that God reminds us today in his word in our gospel reading that we are supported, we are prepared, and we are equipped to keep God's commands. This is, this is what he says in John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. But Then he goes on and he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. See, brothers and sisters, today we are reminded that we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, working through us, that we are supported, we are prepared, and we are equipped to do every good thing that God has before us. Today we are reminded. Uh, that as Christians, as, as resurrected people who live today with Christ, as Christians, the Holy Spirit supports, prepares, and equips us to keep God's commands. You are supported. As God sends you out to, to do his will, to keep his commands, he never sends you alone. He is right there inside of you, your body, his temple. You, baptized child of God, have the Holy Spirit inside of you, supporting you. You are prepared. The Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is to sanctify you. That means to make you holy, to mold you and shape you into the image of Jesus. He's preparing you to be the person he wants you to be. He's, he's equipping you. He's speaking to you, not through some inner mystical voice, but through his word, through the scriptures that we can go to time and time again. He's equipping you to keep his commands. Uh, brothers and sisters, I, I think that is a gift we need to remind ourselves of more often that God has poured out his Spirit upon us, that we are supported and prepared and equipped to do everything that he has asked us to do. So can you imagine, maybe with me a a moment, and if you need to close your eyes, you're welcome to, but can you imagine a world in which Holy Spirit-filled Christians came together to keep God's commands? Can you imagine a world like that? What that that world would look like? A world full of Holy Spirit-filled Christians coming together to do God's will. Can you imagine what kinds of things would get done in a world like that? Full of Holy Spirit-filled Christians coming together to keep God's commands. What kinds of things would get done? How would our community look? How would our neighborhood be changed if there was a world in which Holy Spirit-filled Christians came together, supported, prepared, and equipped to keep God's commands? How would our attitudes and desires be? What would that kind of world look like? Can you imagine that kind of world? You see, see, the reality is that we don't have to imagine that world uh, because we're living it. (laughs) The reality is, Jesus says to us today that that you are a Holy Spirit-filled Christian. You, baptized believer in Jesus, have the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Your body, his temple, and you today are surrounded by other Holy Spirit-filled Christians whom God is supporting and preparing, equipping to keep his commands. You don't have to imagine that world because we together are living it. And if you want to know what that kind of world looks like when Christians can gather together to keep his commands, you you don't have to look very far. You you can just look around you at some of the things that are happening here amongst this community of baptized believers, Holy Spirit-filled people of God, right? I mean, look at the mercy and the compassion that is shown through our Comfort Dog program for everyone who works with JoJo to go out in the community uh, full of the Holy Spirit, to keep God's commands. Or or look at the meals that are served during our summer suppers. Or for those of you who will be driving to deliver meals through our Meals on Wheels. That's what it looks like for Holy Spirit-filled Christians to keep God's commands. Or, Or think about our pause to play Mondays, where our moms and dads and caregivers are coming together to meet other moms and dads and caregivers and have their children play in a safe place for a couple hours on Mondays. Think about all the other little interactions that you have throughout the week or that you see in the people in the pews around you and the conversations that take place and the small little acts of kindness. That's what it looks like for Holy Spirit-filled people to come together as the people of God. You see, this is no distant dream world. This is the promise that God has made to his people, to you today, that you are full of the Holy Spirit, supported and prepared and equipped. Now, I also know that some of you, uh, or maybe all of us, a part of each of us, are sitting here today thinking, well, maybe that's true for the people around me. I see some really great people who do a lot of great things, but not me. You know, I'm not the best at keeping God's laws, whether it's the spirit or the letter of the law. I look at my life and I see far too many mistakes, and I or maybe I, I simply don't show enough love and mercy and compassion. I'm actually kind of selfish and I get angry too easily and I, I want to get my way more often than I should. I, I, I'm not quite sure that I am living in that reality of a, a Holy Spirit-filled Christian living according to God's law. And, and maybe throughout this whole sermon you've been thinking to yourself, wow, uh, I'm not even sure I'm full of the Holy Spirit when I think about my life and the ways that I've gone astray. And if that's where you're at today, or if you've ever been there, uh, this is when the Holy Spirit begins to do His primary or, or maybe most important work. And, and the truth is, I probably should have started here with my sermon. So if you want to stay after the service, I'll give the sermon again, and uh, I'll start with this. Uh, and that is that the, the, the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to point you and me and all of us here today back to Jesus. When we begin to doubt ourselves or question ourselves, when we begin to, to look in the mirror, take an honest look at God's commands and think to ourselves, I don't know if I stack up. I, I don't know if I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I'm, I'm good enough. I'm not keeping his commands. That's when the Holy Spirit does his primary work of igniting that faith in our lives and pointing us back to the cross pointing us away from ourselves and to Jesus, the one who loves you and accepts you and forgives you today. Not because of how many great things you've done, not because of how well you've kept his commands, not based on how many suppers we serve on any given Saturday or how many meals we deliver or how many people show up at Pause to Play or or how many programs we offer at a church, but it's the Holy Spirit who is reminding today that you are loved by God, that you are forgiven by him simply because of Jesus. You know, sometimes us uh, Lutherans are accused of not talking about the Holy Spirit too much. And uh, maybe we, there is a place for us to talk about him more, probably most definitely. But I, but I think part of it is because the Holy Spirit is a humble spirit. And it's his job to continually point us back to Christ. To that sure and certain place where Jesus died for the sins of the world to renew you and restore you to remind you that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so too do you live a new life in Christ. Brothers and sisters, today as Christians, we are reminded that the Holy Spirit does support us and prepare us and, and equip us to keep God's commands, and what a wonderful blessing that is. But it's also the Holy Spirit which gives us faith to trust not in ourselves, but in Jesus, in his name.